are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, final show of the week. We want to dive into a couple of meaty-ish topics as we get you set for the weekend. It is a game day here in New Orleans as the Pelicans take on the Hornets, and we'll get you set for that here in the third segment before i get to that though i told you yesterday wanted to look at zion and his defense and i'll put it in a lot of context there but i'm concerned about a couple of things and then i'll explain why i'm concerned about some of that as well and the way it relates to the pelicans as a whole then i kind of want to look overall at their defense a little bit particularly with the game against the oklahoma city thunder from the other night um as the perspective on it too because sometimes you're just going to need to live with some of those games and i'll explain exactly what i mean so let's dive into it all in today's edition of locked on pelicans So whether you're a new listener or you've been with me from the beginning, I appreciate you taking your time out of the day to listen to the show. Don't forget to subscribe here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down every single topic, anything about this team that you want to know about, we covered here on Locked on Pelicans. All right, so let's get into Zion and the defense and some of the things that have jumping uh, been jumping out at me and why I think this is worth talking about. One, as I got into an argument with people on Twitter yesterday about, look, we talk about Zion all the time. We talk about how good he is. I've been talking about how even if you had a good shooter to this team, he's so efficient and effective inside, the teams are still going to key in on him, and I don't know if it'll make his life that much easier. It's, it's pretty high praise. But when you see something wrong, we're going to call it out because that's what we do here. It's why you come to my show, because I'm not just raw, raw Pelicans, and I'm going to shoot you straight, as I'm going to do here. He hasn't been good on that side of the ball. Is it actively causing the Pelicans to lose? No, but it's worth mentioning when we see it. The number one thing that kind of jumps out at you, and I have some of the numbers I want to share with you all on this as well, is he he really does not move like the guy we saw at Duke. Now, this could be for a couple of reasons. I'm not going to speculate whether he's hurt or whether he's put on weight or what have you, because that's not really our place. Part of it, I do think, is also he's going against NBA players. He's going to look a little bit slower compared to these NBA players who are faster, quicker, stronger, better than any of the dudes he played against in college for the most part. He's going to look worse. The other thing is when it comes to awareness and all of that stuff is he's played under half of a regular season, full regular season. NBA rookies take a while. NBA young players take a while to get good and impact on defense. But we're seeing some kind of basic things from him that I think are a concern, and that's with that lot of a lot of the lateral movement from him. One, he's not moving great from side to side, which means when he's out there on the perimeter, which isn't too often right now, it was much more last season, less so this season. He's definitely a liability. He gets his hips turned around instead of keeping his chest square with the um, defender. And at that line, he's kind of turning around, swinging his hips, and then all of a sudden he's turned around and he can't really make any sort of play on the ball. And that leads to a number of problems because one, it just lets guys get to the rim and score. That was particularly an issue last season, though I do think he's improved on that side of the ball this year. But the lack of awareness, the lack of rotation, that's kind of been some of the biggest things. 
One, I think he's unable to recover on some of these because he doesn't get in a good defensive stance. He doesn't get particularly low. He's kind of standing up. He's kind of leaning forward in a way that doesn't look very balanced. And that leads to poor footwork. So when he's trying to recover and make a play, he's just not able to do it. In college, he was able to do uh, that and make those plays because he's bigger, stronger, faster than those guys. I'm not expecting him to block a shot on the three-point line when he's in the paint like he did against Virginia. That's unrealistic to do here in the NBA. But to do some of the basic things that would improve him even slightly would be an important thing for New Orleans. One, they're in close games. If he had made one defensive play, two defensive plays yesterday uh, in the game the other day against the Oklahoma City Thunder, New Orleans probably wins that. That's why this is important. It can help you win games. It's not condemning him, um, and we're not saying he's unplayable. Um, someone pointed out that someone had said Bradley Beal, despite all of his scoring prowess, makes lineups unplayable because he plays no defense there. That's not what we're talking about here, but you'd like to see some of the basic improvements from him, and he has time to do it over this season, to help this team win. It would do a lot of work. He is somewhat of a liability on defense numbers I pulled and took a look at because I was kind of curious he plays a lot with the second unit and when you're playing with Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker and some of those other guys JJ Redick you're not going to have a a great defensive lineup right and it's going to make some of his numbers look worse those on off numbers with just him and the team yeah it makes a lot of sense that those would look would skew negatively when you're not playing with guys like Steven Adams and others as much as maybe some of the other players are But here's the numbers for Steven Adams. When he is on the court with Zion Williamson, the team has a defensive rating of 104.5. Okay, it's not bad. I'm not really worried about what that number is. When Zion is off the court, but Steven Adams is on the court, that defensive rating drops, which means it improves to 92.1. It's an an improvement of about 12.5 points per 100 possessions when it's just Steven Adams without Zion versus when they're both out there on the court. It's damning against Zion, and here's why I think this is a concern for New Orleans. So we know they don't want to give up points in the paint, right? They want to let you take threes, or ideally mid-rangers, even though it's three-pointers right now, but not shoot at the rim, which Dan Van Gundy, other than free throw, says is the most effective shot and efficient shot in the game. He's right. And they do a good job of limiting this. Teams get to the restricted area and score at the rim against the Pelicans, uh, the fifth-fewest amount of times per game 22.6 and Milwaukee Bucks by the way at 22.5 they're basically tied for fourth best in terms of limiting the shots here's the problem with it though not that by itself teams are shooting the fourth highest percentage at the rim against New Orleans 70.2 percent so when you do get into the paint you're scoring basically what uh three out of four trips down there that's a concern If teams ever really start passing up those open threes to really drive an attack, they can score at New Orleans. And while this defense has been good, and I do think it's been good, and I don't think it's quite the issue that Stan Van Gundy was trying to make it out to be the past couple of days, though I want to talk about it in the next segment too, this is a concern because Zion's not doing much to deter players or to be a threat down low of that rim protector, which you have Steven Adams there to do it, but you need him as well. It means he needs to rotate over and contest things a little bit better, but he's not in a stance and he can't do it. And that's when he real even realizes it. And that's been a problem. And ISO defense, he's okay. But in terms of what this team is trying to do, it's not particularly great. And look at the block numbers, which isn't necessarily the best way to do this. Jackson Hayes, who has played 100 minutes, Zion has played 250 minutes, has one more block than Zion does. Zion has four in the year, Hayes has five. 
Lonzo Ball, in about the same amount of minutes, a guard, has two more blocks than Zion Williamson does. He needs to have a bigger impact on that. And now he might as the season goes on. Some of these numbers are kind of weird to look at this early in the season. And as I've said, you don't want to make sweeping conclusions here after just eight games. But you'd like to see him do that. And if he does, you'll see this Pelicans team improve quickly. They'll beat teams like Oklahoma City, even though this team isn't complete and there's clearly some issues with it going forward. It's an easy way for him to make an even greater impact than he's already making. And some of these things are stuff you can really work on in practice and things that he should commit himself to doing. I do question that somewhat, though, because... Look, he doesn't get back like he should. It could be because he's doing so much on the offensive end. He's tired. And you, you know, you don't tend to put forth that amount of effort on defense. We even saw it with Drew Holiday, the reverse of it. All of that effort on defense and not as much on offense. But it's something he needs to improve upon and something that I'm be curious to see uh, how he approaches it the rest of the season and where he goes. So we'll talk about the defense in the Oklahoma City game from the other night and why you shouldn't worry too much about this. I've seen people kind of freaking out about this game. This is not the game to freak out, and I'll explain exactly why coming up here in just a moment. But before we get to that, today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. You ready for some NFL playoffs? What about the college football national title game? And oh yeah, the NBA season's still going on. So if you want to get in on the action, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that I trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. It's like you've won a free bet there already. They've got all the props for the college football title game. They have NFL games of the week and now playoff games of the week and anything you could want to bet on when it comes to the NBA. So don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget Use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 is mercifully over and it's time for a fresh start. And you also, in a fresh start, want to get a few more wins. And if you're betting this year and you want those wins, make sure to listen to Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They are picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to touch on the Pelicans' loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder the other night. 111-110. We touched on it in yesterday's show just a little bit, but I wanted to get to more of the conversation with Kendall Baker, which we'll get to next week as we got other things to talk about on today's show. And I thought about this one a lot over the past day because, it look, it's disappointing to lose to an Oklahoma City Thunder team that's going to be lottery-bound, right? And probably a high lottery pick. A team that's not actively trying to go out and win a ton of games. They're more about draft picks and lottery ball odds and ping pong balls and all of that stuff. And so to lose to them is disappointing, but you've got to put it in the context of the whole season, I think. And I've seen a lot of people really overreacting to this loss. I've seen people really trying to be like, okay, we lost this one because of defense. And then others like, no, they lost it because of offense. Look, none of that matters in this game. And this is one of those games where you just kind of need to shrug and move on. And I truly think that. You know, they they ran into kind of a perfect storm of how things beat them. You had Mike Muscala kind of hitting those threes that really swung the game in a different way. And he went five of seven. And the Oklahoma City Thunder as a team shot 41.3%. That's well above their three-point percent average. And sometimes it's just variance. Sometimes it's luck that you kind of have a, an opponent has a night like that and you lose. And that's okay. The Oklahoma City Thunder are 25th in three-point percentage, even after that game. 33%. They shot 42, so 9% greater. That is a significant amount. Sometimes it just happens. You know, 
you can leave a lot of those guys open and they're not going to bury three-point shots. And then one night they do and they beat you. And this kind of goes into what I've been talking about with Zion Williamson and shooters around him, right? You know what? If Lonzo Ball goes eight of nine from three because you decided to take away the rim from Zion Williamson, whatever team that did that and lost that way is going to shrug their shoulders and be like, you know what? That's not going to happen most nights. That's not going to happen in a series and we're not going to lose that way. So it's fine. You shrug it off because it's a 72 game season this year, 82 games normally. And these type of things happen. And as long as they're not happening consistently on a night to night basis, a game to game basis, you can live with it and you'll likely win more games than you're losing, assuming your strategy and everything else is good. Now you can run into problems with this. So, so that's the main reason why I don't think you need to overreact to this. This is one of those things where it's not offense lost in the game or defense lost them the game or anything or Zion's defense lost in the game or one thing. You could pick one thing and that could be the cause. There's not one definitive thing on this. So I think it's kind of pointless to debate. They weren't as great as they could have been defensively. They weren't as good as they could have been offensively and they should have won if they were slightly better in either way. It doesn't make one more of the culprit than the other, I don't think. This only becomes a problem if you end up like the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs. They run a similar enough defensive strategy. It's easier to compare it to that at, um, I say, a macro level. But they ran into the... Miami Heat off you know in in the playoffs and that caused them to lose because the Heat kind of shot above the variance. They shot a little bit more lucky over the course of the over that series. And over that series the Miami Heat shot better than they did of the regular season partially because they had shooters open and sometimes you just punch above your weight and you can lose and it's disappointing and then everyone questions everything that's going on and then ultimately your star player still signs an extension with that team. It's just kind of one of those things that happens. You can't really be perfect every night. And sometimes there's other variables that really kick in and you know what? Throw everything out of whack. And I see that Oklahoma City game not being something we need to be that concerned about, but just kind of one of those nights. And it's kind of as simple as that. So some perspective to keep in as the Pelicans are still clearly trying to figure out who they are and are still in position, you know, to fight for the eighth, ninth, tenth spot here in the Western Conference. And right now, you know, at four and four, they're actually doing pretty good overall. So I don't think this game is worth overreacting to, especially when we just had a game that was worth really reacting to, like the loss to the Indiana Pacers. So coming up, the Pelicans take on the Charlotte Hornets tonight in the Smoothie King Center. We'll get you set for that game. So a lot happened in the NBA this week, and the best way to catch up on it from all the games you missed and the biggest stories is to subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast, the only daily show, no paywall, breaking down all of the action in the league the night before I co-host the Wednesday edition. We watch the games, we recap them for you, so you can be up to date on everything going on around the NBA. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's a game day here in New Orleans as the Pelicans take on the Charlotte Hornets. This should be an interesting one because Charlotte is is an intriguing team to watch. They've done a couple of interesting things so far this season. Of course, they just beat the Atlanta Hawks behind Gordon Hayward having a career-high 44-point game. And he basically went to Charlotte to be the man on the team and try and be the focal point of the offense. And, well, paid off right there. They're playing small, too. So this is a team you kind of know some of the big names that jump out at you. First and foremost, Gordon Hayward and what he's doing and what he's averaging, which is over 20 points per game, 21.9. They've got Terry Rozier, who came over in the Kemba Walker deal last year. Scary Terry, 20.6 points per game. And that's kind of really it. Like they don't have anyone else that really scares you offensively, but they've kind of embraced some small ball recently. And that's making them a little bit 
more unpredictable. They're running a guy in PJ Washington at center. He's 6'7", kind of going the route to some degree that the Houston Rockets did last season. It seems to be working for them and has woken their offense up a little bit. So a lot of the film that New Orleans maybe has looked at of Charlotte early on in the year might need to throw that out and look at the most recent stuff. Off the bench, LaMelo Ball, brother of Lonzo Ball, is there. They're not playing him enough minutes, not giving him enough of a role. He's averaging 12 points per game and five rebounds. Offensively, they're one of the worst in the league. They don't really do anything that scares you a whole lot, and hopefully it's not kind of one of those variance games, luck games, where things just work against New Orleans in this one. They shoot the three ball 35% from deep. It's 18th in the league. It's not particularly great, but again, we've seen that if you're not at least making things uncomfortable for them, teams can beat you like the Oklahoma City Thunder did the other night. You've got to keep an eye on P.J. Washington from there. He's shooting 38% from deep so far this season. He can burn you um, if you're unaware and if you're trying to get back and cover the rim and he's out there on the three-point line, you might need to consider covering him to avoid a Mike Muscala situation from the other day. But overall, like, yeah, this is probably a game that New Orleans should win, provided that Brandon Ingram's not getting in foul trouble and he's able to handle Gordon Hayward, though you'd like another backup wing to really kind of do some work there nothing jumps out at you of like oh they're really good at this the only thing is they can generate some off ball movement and if uh the defenders on the pelicans are unaware they're missing backdoor cutters things like that yeah you can get burned with some easy scores that way but they don't really force turnovers a whole lot if new orleans is turning the ball over a ton in this it's self-inflicted errors because this defense is in the middle of the pack at best I don't know. I'm not sure how to read New Orleans right now exactly and what to expect from them, but they should, should at least win this game. But of course, that's why you've got to play it. So that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Sorry, on Monday to recap this and preview the Dallas Mavericks. That's the next game. All right, there we go. We'll see you on Monday and talk about all of that then.